Hi, and welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. This is the podcast where we speak with writers about writing. And I have a guest today that I'm very excited to talk to, and it's someone that I've known for a really long time, and I would consider a good friend. Um, I actually have a bracelet that his wife gave me that I wore last night out to an event. So I was I always think of this person and his wife um, whenever I'm going out and I put on that bracelet. So we are friends, and I'm also... I get to be his editor now, and that's also kind of fun. My guest today is Alan Orloff. Hi, Alan. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I'm saying your name right, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because, you know, it's like, I'm pretty sure that's how you say your name. It's not like I say it all the time. Alan Orloff has published 10 novels and more than 45 short stories. Well, that's a lot. His work has won an Anthony, an Agatha, a Derringer, two ITW Thriller Awards. He's also been a finalist for the Seamus Award and has had a story selected for the Best American Mystery Stories Anthology. Rule number one, first appearing in Snowbound from Level Best Books. Well, you know, yeah. hey, I'm all over the, I'm all over this whole bio here. He loves cake and arugula, but not together, never together. He lives and writes in South Florida where he where the examples of his hijinks are endless. Yes, we we all know we all not know my hijinks, the hijinks. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> I read it as my hijinks. <laughs> we know how you are, Alan. Well, you love you love. Well, you used to live up our way, so that's how we got to be friends. And now you're down in Florida. How is Florida treating you? It's nice. It's warm, and that's why we moved. So no shows, no no shoveling for me. Yeah, yeah. I grew up down there, so yeah. I'll never forget. We moved uh, to Maryland in November, um, which is right around the time this this time of year. And I thought it was the coldest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really not that cold. But we were free. Yeah, but we were freezing. We were just like that teeth rattling. I mean, it took a couple of years for that to to go away. Um, well, and like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now when it gets to 60, we're like, oh, come on. We need a warm spell. It's too cold. Yeah, yeah. And I went to Catholic school. So if it got if it got below sixty, we were allowed to wear like sweatpants <laughs> under <laughs> under our uniforms. I mean uh, your your blood yeah, your blood just thins out. It's just crazy. So um you've you're a very accomplished author, as we stated in your bio, but we have we're gonna talk about your your newest book. Now what is the name of your newest book and tell us about it? My name of the newest book is Sanctuary Motel. And I first, before I even tell you about the book, I want to give mad props to the cover designer. Isn't that a fabulous, fabulous cover? You can all see it there, right? Sean, you're the cover designer. Thank you so I much for this. This is great. Everybody I have shown this to is like, oh my God, what a great cover. And I feel like the words inside aren't going to be able to live up to it. But we'll see. We'll see what people say. You're too kind. You're too kind. That was a fun one. That was a fun one to play around with. We had a lot of different yeah, ideas. Good. Yeah, we had a few different ideas and that was the one that um, everybody everybody loved. So that's great. It's, Thank you for that. That's it's very, very nice. Edward, Edward Hopper-ish sort it of, is? I think. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah for great. sure. Cool. And that, no pressure for the second one though, but that's the hard part when it, I, and I've run into this a lot when the people are like, this is my favorite cover I ever got. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be hard to live up to. Well, they're like, worse problems to have, but anyway, it's about a guy called Miss Hopkins and he's the proprietor of this uh, CD rundown motel that he runs for his parents who are out gallivanting the world. And he is more interested in helping the needy than he is in making money much to his family's consternation. So he throws open the doors of this motel to those who are seeking sanctuary from a variety of different reasons, whether it's um, you know, domestic 
situation at home or homeless people or someone escaping escaping some other dire situation. And of course, being the kind, good-hearted soul that he is, he needs to help them out with their with their problems. So in this first, this is the first in a new series from Level Best Books. Uh, in this one, it's about a, a mother and her son come to the seeking sanctuary at this motel, escaping a domestic violence situation or so Mess thinks. And he gets involved in some uh, missing money and loan sharks and so on. So it's um, uh, it's good. I, I mean, it's good. Yeah, I like it. It's gotten good reviews so far on um, Goodreads and in NetGalley. And uh, I'm anxious for readers to dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is a great book. I can attest to that. Um, we are a very good writer, as we know. But I would, uh, this is not an official question, but how did Musk get his name? Well, he's a bit untidy. <laughs> so as a kid, his sister uh, named him that, and it stuck. And I'm not going to say, I'm neither going no, to confirm nor deny that the mess situation is anything like the author's tidiness of level. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> of, course, of, course of course not of course not okay well that's a good explanation i like uh characters that have a unique name or uh, code name or not, you know nickname i guess is what this would be um because it's you know they're more memorable and it's when i it's it's striking and you're like oh i need now i need to know more about this character so it's a good it's a good uh habit to get into i think um so you've written a lot but you have did not start out like trying to be a writer you um did you're very smart. You did engineering kind of technical things. I know this because I know you. So how did your writing career, your fiction writing career get started? Well, yeah, like like you said, I've always been a numbers guy. So back in high school, I, I really hated my English class and which disappointed my father because he was an ex-English teacher. So while all the other kids were reading James Joyce and William Faulkner, I would be reading Isaac Asimov and Robert Heinlein and uh, I read a lot of science fiction back then. And then I moved on to horror, but I never really had the writing bug. In fact, I avoided situations where I had to write. So I went to college and became an engineer and there are not a lot of creative writing classes you need to take as an engineer, which was good. I didn't like engineering very much. I went back to business school and again, not a lot of creative writing in business school, unless you count how to write an annual report for the shareholders. <laughs> um, so fast forward decades, and I'm not sure why I thought this, but I, I told my wife, Janet, you know, uh, I think I want to be a writer. And so then she fainted and I picked her up off the floor and revived her. And she's like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, she's easygoing. And uh, I wrote some short stories sort of as a proof of concept and they didn't stink. So I'm like, all right, well, it's making progress. So I took an adult ed class in Fairfax County where I was living and um, the instructor was Elaine Rako Chase. Do you know Elaine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. She was the instructor and we wrote how to write a short story for the class and I wrote it and she's like, you know, except for the 50 semicolons on the first page, this is pretty good. So I took that again as encouragement. And I kept on writing, kept on writing. And I took some workshops at the Writer's Center in Bethesda, which I'm sure you're familiar with as well. And I kept getting the same feedback. Not that it was great, but that this doesn't suck. 
which again, I spun to being, okay, that's pretty good. So I kept on doing that. I, I started some writing groups, uh, critique groups with, I'm sure people you know, like uh, Meg, Meg Plyler, and she was one, and and we had some great writers in some of the classes with um, uh, with uh, more what's her what with Noreen Noreen Wald was the teacher, and we had um, Alma was in one of my Alma Katsu was in one of my classes, and um, Linda Budzinski, and a bunch of other people that have gone on to have you know really great writing careers, and I'm like well I'm you know honored to learned a lot from them. Um, and I kept on working at it. And so I, then I wrote a manuscript and I knew it was no good. So I put it aside. I wrote a second one and I knew it was better, but I didn't think it was still pretty good. So I, I wrote a third one and, it, and it's based on, I took a Citizens Police Academy in uh, the Herndon Police Department. And one of the, they teach all about different aspects of police business. But one of the things was we went on a ride along and I'll tell this little short little ride along story. So we're, we we went through, we saw a dip, a dip, drunken public, and that was pretty cool. And we went to, broke off some loud parties. And then we get a call on the radio. We have reports of men running through the community center parking lot with rifles. Oh. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So the, um, the officer I was with, she turns on those sirens and we go screaming through the mean streets of Herndon. And we pull up in the community center parking lot there's already a cop car there with the doors open and the police officer aren't there. So she grabs the shotgun between the seats, grabs it and says, don't go anywhere. And I said, don't worry. And she took off. But there I am in this police car underneath the lights of the, of the, in the community center parking lot. And there's nobody there except people running around with rifles. So I scooched down all the way as far as I could, so just my eyes were above the dashboard, just in case. It turned out they were gone for like a, a half an hour. It turned out that they were there was kids with air rifles running through the thing. Anyway, I've digressed. I took that scene and that became the first scene in my uh, book called Ride Along. And I thought Ride Along was really, really good. So I wrote a query letter to get an agent and I sent it out to a hundred agents and I got a hundred rejections. Mm which meant that my definition of really, really good is different than these agents. <laughs> so I had to write an, I wrote another manuscript and that one did get an agent, and, but he didn't couldn't sell it. And I got the idea that he wanted to concentrate on nonfiction because he said, Alan, I wanna concentrate on nonfiction moving forward. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I got another agent and then that and wrote another manuscript and that fifth manuscript was the first book that got published, Diamonds for the Dead. And that was the beginning of my writing career, and it took a while. I'm glad I was persistent, and I, I actually went back and wrote some of those first practice novels because what I found was that the story was good and the characters were good, but the prose was god-awful. So I opened up two separate windows on my computer, one with the manuscript, you know, the first, the one I'd already written, and a blank manuscript, and I re rewrote everything. And, came out pretty good they came out pretty good so. oh that's a cool that's a cool thing to do i never heard of anyone doing that and that's actually inspirational like take that drawer one that everyone puts in the drawer because it's not great um and revising it that way that's interesting because then it's, yeah. it's i feel like you're less to get in the weeds that way <laughs> yeah yeah and i will say the very first one i wrote 
is buried six feet under in an asbestos container, so it's no harm to society. That one was <laughs> irredeemable. Sometimes that you look back, you're like, oh no, <laughs> why did anyone like this? Oh, <laughs> I'm kind of going through a little bit of a of that right now because I'm revising some things to uh, put uh, back out. It's like, okay, great, okay, I'm still I'm still here. Um, surprisingly, well, that's very exciting. It's perseverance, and you. I'm, I remember when you were teaching at the writing center because I remember those posts and things like that's been a while now. So you. Well, yeah, that, right, and that was so cool because I took workshops there, and then I guess I learned enough and and assimilated enough that I could teach there. Yeah. I was really I'm pr I was proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my sister when she graduated culinary school, they they kept her on. They gave her a fellowship, and she taught fish kitchen for a year. And she's like, I didn't know anything about fish when I got, I got here. Fish kitchen. Yeah, fish kitchen. Fish kitchen. I love that. Fish yep. kitchen. Yeah, it was fish kitchen. So I remember I uh, went up, she lived, went to CIA up in Hyde Park, New York. And I went up there and we had gone out the night before and we'd had a couple too many. And then the next morning we were, she's like, come watch me teach. And we were at fish, fish kitchen and she was feeling the same way as me. And there's gigantic salmon on the, and she just starts gutting the fish and like guts are flying out. I'm like, oh, this is the bad. <laughs> why, why can't you teach? Pastry kitchen. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> and to watch the sport guts all over the table. I was threw up. But it was fascinating to watch her teach people that were like in their 30s and 40s because sometimes it's a uh, it's a second career for people and she was this young person. But yeah, so the student becomes the teacher. That's the, the moral of the story. Yes, something. So question number two. Um, what's the most difficult part of the creative writing process for you? And what is the easiest? I have my guesses, but I want you to tell me what you think is the hardest. Well, and the easiest. As, as you may imagine, you're being a writer yourself. A lot of things give, seem to give me trouble. The, the muddle in the middle, you know, I can start off a book good and I can finish a book good, but sometimes that middle, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay with coming up with good premises for my stories and novels. But it's sometimes the nitty gritty of the individual scenes that seem to bog me down sometimes. So, you know, I write them and then I have to step back and take the 30,000 foot view of it and try to map it all out. And I, I don't, I mean, you've read my books. I'm not real big on description. So I don't really write description, which for my books, it's good because I think too much description, you know, bogs down the pacing. And I like to have just a fast, entertaining read. So, um, yeah. And of course, punctuation is sort of a tough, I don't have to tell you that. I, <laughs> I stumble on some of the punctuation. <laughs> I think you're, you, you just, you, you just count yourself too much. You're totally fine with punctuation, but I do, you are a fast paced writer and you focus a lot on dialogue and character. And I think that's Right, um, right. Well, I, perfect. I mean, yeah, that's why for your writing, you're writing, you're writing thrillery kind of books. So you want it to be that, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the excuse. I'm, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. No, and you said what's the easiest thing? That is dialogue. I would I wouldn't mind writing an, an entire book that was just conversation. I don't know anybody would want to read that, but it just seems well, like it's. I mean, is I I I, I, uh, I know a lot of writers who they enjoy writing dialogue the most is that is that the same with you do you like that the most uh yeah I, I think so I'm not as much as you probably but I do um I like talking about food <laughs> but <laughs> I think um you are very good at dialogue but I think it's you know you it, it, you like to vary the, the people are talking differently and I think that's just the skill that you bring because sometimes too often I read a manuscript like everyone sounds the same 
you know, everyone in this book sounds exactly the same and you need to vary up the way people speak. And even if you're from group in the same house, you're going to say things in a different way. You know, that's just the way people are. But no, I think I do like dialogue, but that's, you know, you'd be really good at a screenplay. I think the screenplay. Right? I've, yeah. I've actually adapted a couple of my novels into screenplays and you're right. It's, there's a lot of, easy, it's, I don't say easier, but it's, um, it's more fun. Yeah. You're, um, your sensibility is conducive to screenplay. So you should pursue that too, which you already are. I don't need to tell you. All right. Uh, well, how did you arrive at the premise of this series? Cause it is a unique, it's a unique series. Did you spend a lot of time in dive motels or like, how did you, how did you decide? Actually, to uh, probably more than my share, more than my fair share. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, this is sort of a, it, I mean, I got the idea, sort of a confluence of several ideas. One, I was, I was watching the news at some point and I saw uh, and I don't remember which municipality and which town it was, they had converted some old motels and abandoned motels into housing for the homeless. And I thought that's a pretty, pretty great idea to do, you know, if you can swing the economics of it all, but um, that's pretty neat. So somehow that lodged into my brain. And as you sort of alluded to, I've always had a fascination with, I don't know about divey, but let's, let's call them quirky motels. And then this, um, I think it's due to my father, as we were young, you know, I was a, taking the, I was a kid, he took the family to on vacation, and we used to stay at quirky motels. My dad was a frugal man. And there was no chains, no holiday inns for us. We were staying at the, uh, we'd go to Ocean City, and there was a, a motel called the Stowaway. Mm. And it was, it was on the boardwalk, which was nice, but it was not one of your four-star establishments. Kind of like how the name implies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sort of just sort of hidden, snuck, stuck away there. And I was always fascinated by the odd assortment of off-brands in the vending machines. And I don't know whether that was, you know, they would have like weird flavored sodas and <laughs> snacks, weirdo snacks. And I thought, this is so cool because normally you see like, you know, Cheetos and Doritos and Fritos and Lay's chips, but here they got just sort of wacky brands. I don't know. It's interesting. And as a kid, I was like, this is pretty awesome. You know, yeah. strawberry orange flavored soda. Excellent. Cool. Uh, and we would stay at, uh, you've probably driven up 95 from Eastern Sea. Anybody who knows the Eastern Seaboard has driven 95 has heard of South of the Border. Mm -hmm. which is the big tourist trap that's right south of the North Carolina, South Carolina border. And I, I don't know if you know this, but they have a motel there. Ooh. And I don't know if you know this, but I've stayed at that motel. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. I did not know that. <laughs> and not you surprised. might guess. Yeah, not surprised. No, no, no. <laughs> and you might guess that it is, it is exactly in keeping with the rest of the kitschy, uh, tourist trappy whole uh, ambiance of the thing. In fact, they had they had a nine-hole pitch and putt golf course that was under the lights, so you could play it at night. And instead of greens made out of grass, they, the greens were made out of um, like astroturf. It was the weirdest experience. But again, keeping with the whole south of the border thing. So yeah, so um, I'm no stranger to cheap motels. We I took my Jenna and I took our kids across country um, 16 years ago, right? And for seven weeks, we packed everybody in a minivan across country and we stayed at a lot of 
affordable motels. <laughs> and it was one night we were going through this place called Albert Lee, Minnesota. I'm sure everybody's heard of Albert Lee, Minnesota. No one's heard of that. <laughs> it's a small town on the southern part of Minnesota. I'm not sure what, what the purpose of this town is, but they did have a motel. And it was 2 a.m. We were just dead tired. We didn't have a place to stay. I don't know what happened to our planning. We pull up this place and I go in and said, you know, we need a room. Oh my God, we need just a room. We're so tired. Sorry, we don't have any rooms. And they go, oh, you gotta be kidding. When's the next, where's the next motel? It's 40 minutes up the up the road. I'm like, 40 minutes, we can't make, you don't have anything? Well, we got one room. I said, we'll take it. We got, the door doesn't close. The door doesn't close. <laughs> it doesn't latch, it doesn't lock. We're like, seriously? All right, so we took it. So we took it and we boarded up the, you know, we pushed the furniture up against it. And we weren't really worried that something would happen because the cockroaches were so large <laughs> that we felt protected. If somebody tried to break in, the cockroaches would get them. It was sometime to ask Janet about that. She'll give you. Oh, I'm sure she has fond memories of Anyway, of so, <laughs> yeah. So those two kind of gave me the whole premise of how about a, a sketchy-ish motel that is open for people, you know, to provide sanctuary. And, you know, I, like you said, I've, I've written a lot of short stories. And in many of them, my protagonists are um, kind of noir, darker. It was kind of darker. And I just wanted to write a, a guy with a good heart for, for a change. So I think that Mess Hopkins has a good heart. He tries to do what's you know the, the right thing and helps people so that was fun to write that for a change yeah no he's a good guy and he's doing you know he's doing his best to do kind of haphazardly doing his best to help <laughs> these people but it's yeah he's a good guy so it's good no it's really i mean it's an exciting start to a new um series and i mean i really i, I like i feel like i know him so that's always a good sign Thank so you. all right well um you're not that old but i'm gonna ask you this anyway if you could tell your younger writing self, and you have, do you have younger people in your family that are writing, I think, or acting or doing some other creative thing? If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? I would tell my younger self to write a book about a boy wizard who goes to wizard school <laughs> and make it a series. There might be some money in that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, this is something that I sort of semi realized back when I was first beginning to write, but I would I would um, go back and reiterate the importance of this. That don't get, try not to get too um, involved in all the ups and downs of the publishing business because it's really a wacky business. We've been in it for a while. So much stuff is out of the writer's control, certainly. And things just don't go your way, no matter how much you try or how hard, I mean, you can't go out and and um, beg readers to pick up your book. I mean, that's sort of out, some of that's out of control. I mean, you, there's a lot you can do, of course. Um, there's a lot of just waiting around that's involved that you don't realize going into this. Um, and maybe the biggest thing that is writing is so subjective. Before I became a writer, which whatever, um, some would say, oh, this is a good book. And I'd read it and I'd think, yeah, this is a good book or this is a bad book. But I thought it was more of a universally held um, concept. 
Like when I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of William Shakespeare. I can't understand it. The old, old English says, I, I don't understand it. But I figured pretty much everybody does like Shakespeare, except me. I thought I was an oddball. But as I've done, been more involved in this, I realized there are just, I mean, most books, a lot of people don't like them and a lot of people do like them. So the fact that you submit your book to uh, an editor or an agent or something and they don't like it certainly doesn't mean it's a bad book. It just means that they don't like it. Or if you get a bad review on Amazon, it doesn't mean your book stinks. It just means that person didn't um, you know, mess with that person's sensibilities. So that's what I would tell myself. Just keep your head down and keep on writing. Yeah, absolutely. I was just saying to my previous guests, you know, there's one star reviews on all of the major books that everyone says are so great <laughs> because they're not, not everyone likes everything. And if I had, if I was the person choosing Faulkner, I would be like, this, no, <laughs> hard, hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> but I have friends that swear by, you know, so it's just, uh, it's all subjective, as you say, but there's luckily there's enough for everyone to find their groove and find the things that they like and as long as you have most the majority of the people that like you you're good you know but I did give this advice to some young writers over the weekend when I was <laughs> talking to some people just starting out that it doesn't matter what I think this is just my so opinion. isn't it cute how enthusiastic they are oh yeah all bright eyed <laughs> like this is gonna be great <laughs> they're not jaded or cynical yet just give them a couple years yeah it's like getting off the bus in Hollywood like oh, it's <laughs> yeah. gonna be amazing I'm gonna do this really well yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's cute. Okay, so the fifth question is always something a little <laughs> a little out of the blue, but we're gonna do something fun for you. And you can say me if you want, but you don't have to. If you could invite a famous writer to dinner, who would it be and why? Well, of course, I'd invite you, Sean. You're you're invited all at any time. You have an open invitation. Thank you. I don't need an special. I'll just show up and we have a guest room too. You can come down yeah. and visit. Absolutely, I'll be there. Um, I will answer with probably one of the probably one one of the more unoriginal answers. I would like to have dinner with Stephen King. I've always been a fan of Stephen King. Those horror novels that I mentioned reading when I should have been reading Faulkner and James Joyce, many of them were Stephen King. A few were Dean Koontz, but I think I've read, I think I've pretty much read every book by Stephen King, all his novellas, all his short stories, and and that's one of the reasons why I like to talk to him. He's such a, a breadth and depth of work with novels and short stories and you know adapt adaptations to the big screen and the little screen. Um, I saw him at, uh, he was at George Mason. Did you see that? He was like 10 years ago, he spoke at George Mason University. And he was just awesome. He's just, he's very engaging. He seems like, I mean, I know he's had sort of a, uh, difficult life at times he's got some he's had some challenges to overcome but he has i mean i'm just a big fan of his work so plus i'd be very curious to see what he would order yeah absolutely yeah that i'm always curious about what people want to eat um yeah he's one of my favorites too and i um obsessively read everything i just got the newest one holly for myself for my this will be my holiday read i'll read it for christmas um, I saw him in person back in the nineties um, when he, when Samia came out and he was doing a book tour um, and it was at a little bookstore in Vermont at, at, at like a, but it was at the high school. So we were at the high school gym cause it's pretty big. And then the next day I was leaving to go home and uh, back to New York and I pulled out of the gas station and he pulled, he 
drove by on his motorcycle <laughs> and it was him. And he, he was, cause he was doing this tour on a, on a motorcycle. And I think it's time wow. he's like bringing awareness to motorcycle safety or something. But Tabitha and his crew were like in a van following him. And I'm like, there they are. So I pulled wow. out and I was behind him for a while. And I drove past because it was just like a two lane road in this little town, you know. And then we he get, he got to the highway and he I didn't stalk him all the way back down to New York, but <laughs> I I could have I could have been Annie Wilkes I could have done it, but um, I could have run him over, <laughs> but I didn't do that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's an impressive guy, and um, I like it. I always thought I started reading him like in fifth sixth grade way too early, but his work is so accessible and it makes it look easy which that's when you know it's like hard it does. <laughs> you so know? what's your what's your favorite Stephen King novel the one I've read the, I've, and I very rarely read books again is The Stand I love The Stand a lot um, but I love Carrie and the early stuff like you know Christine Christine was my first um, you think you always remember your first one and then but all the way through like Gerald's Game and I love them all Rose Matter yeah I was a fan I fell off a little bit of because I used to get them every like the first day they came out and read um, and I kind of fell off the, you know, I became an adult and had children and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that anymore, but I still, I got Holly. So I'm looking forward to the newest one. It'll be fun to read this, this winter, but he is a good, he's a good one. I, you better invite me or I'll be upset. You're invited. Thank you. Without, without even have to remind you. Okay. So we do. A we're we're going to have, we're going to have fish with a fish kitchen. <laughs> fish kitchen with guts everywhere. So apropos, see, goes back full circle. All right, pop quiz. You ready? Number one, summer or winter? Summer. I knew that. I knew it. Ooh, this will be cute. I'm curious about these. Number two, sweet or savory? Sweet. Yeah. And you got a lot of food things going on. <laughs> if you don't know, follow Alan on social media for his food quirks. They're pretty funny. Okay, number three, comedy or drama? That's right. I do have a lot of food quirks, don't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, drama. Oh, really? You're pretty funny. But sometimes okay. that crosses, you know, that's that's the stumper usually. All well, right. I should say, I mean, when I consume books or movies or TV, it's usually drama. Mm -hmm. Because I find most of the comedies aren't that funny. Exactly. Me too. Used to be, but everything was funny, in, but now it's not. In real life, I prefer comedy over drama. I'm not a Drama. I'm not full of drama. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm more of like a Coen Brothers drama comedy person. I like my I like my comedy to come with a heavy dose of hot sauce. All <clears throat> uh, right, early bird or night owl? I am not an early bird. I am not a night owl. I'm good between noon and twelve fifteen. <laughs> that's, that's my sweet spot. Right in the middle. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Lunchish, lunchish time. All right, and the final one, coffee or tea? Neither. I don't drink hot beverages. Ah, see, that's, that's I told one you. of my weird. That's one of my weird food beverage quirks. <laughs> there's a list. <laughs> there's a list of it. I'm like, I have this weird. I don't. I can't do a lot of things. Or, you know, math, whatever. But I always remember what people say about what they like and don't like to eat. And I think it's because I had to feed a lot of people for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The catering and stuff. So I just always sticks in my head like, oh, they hate tomatoes. But it's like you have a long list. You have a long list. I do. I have a, a fairly long list. I, I am very excited about the project we're going to work together on. My project. Which one? The anthology. That's right. Are you going to talk about that or is it still a big secret? No, it's still, at some point we'll make it public. But right now it's not. But I'm excited that you're involved. Me too. 
I'm thrilled. I'm, I was, I'm very honored to be, to have been invited. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be great. We have a lot of stuff going on together. So what's next for you? What do you, so what's next for me? Like, I've got, you know, I counted up in the next 12 months or so. I've got 10, I think 10 short stories coming out, 10 or 11 or something, which is a lot for me. Yeah. I've got one coming out, um, two coming out in December. One is in this December. One is uh, in the Mickey Finn Noir series. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've got one coming out in the Black Cat Weekly, which is a Hanukkah story. Nice. And I've got a, I've got um, I've got a story coming out in Mystery Most International, mm -hmm. and um, I have more stories. I don't know what they are. And then I'm working right now. I am fifty three thousand words and change into the second um, Ness Hopkins novel. Sweet. which will be out a year from now. And of course, Sanctuary Motel comes out Tuesday. Week That's from right. yesterday, week from uh, whatever today is, a week from, I don't know, yesterday. Coming out. It's coming out soon. I mean, it'll, I it'll be, I think it'll be, yeah. it'll be out by the time this airs. So it'll be okay. out. It'll be out by the time. So it's out. You can it's buy out. it. Yeah. Buy it. And everyone needs to get it because it's really, really good. It's, it's fun. It's it's got like it's funny, but it's dark. It's got all the things. It's like a Coen Brothers movie, like I was saying. Thank you. Yeah, it's got all the things, and it's got great cover. Yeah, the covers. Put it on your mantle. Uh, and your it's bookshelf. edited very. It, it's edited very well too. Oh, thank you. Well, are, this seems like it's a show about me. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I am so excited that we're getting to work together on multiple things, especially me too. Book. Me too. Yeah, it's like. It all came together, and I yeah, I couldn't have told you this would have happened five years ago. Of course, it's like you know I didn't know any of the, anything was going to be happening. So I'm glad well, that I, this is all all together. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to be involved with Level Best, and uh, hey, it's great. Yeah, we're on fire. We're uh, we're rolling, and you know every day I get more good news from different things happening, and it's you know it's exciting. So we're we're going to charge forward, and you know we're going to take over the world in a very nice way. Not going to make everyone mad. We're just going to take over the world in a very <laughs> Hey, this is fun. Come and join us. It'll be fun. So that's, you know, that's how I like to do. So well, enjoy all of it. Um, everyone needs to go out and sanctuary motel. It's amazing. Alan's amazing. Janet's amazing. Shout out to Janet. Um, we love People you. Like her more than me. Yeah. Ah, so, yeah, you know, I would never say that to your face. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> I, I can sense I can sense these things. Ladies, ladies hang together. Um Yes, and we'll have you back on when the next book comes out next sure. to the year, or yeah. before, or we'll 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 have a short story one. We'll talk about the anthology. That'll be fun. Perfect. We should because yeah, we'll... it's going to be it's very exciting. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll see you soon.